Hi, folks. This is Rick Doc Walker, the DOC. This is John Kime, and you're listening to the Mess Hall with Rally Captain and Tailgate Ted. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Mess Hall. It's your boy Tailgate Ted, joined as always by my man Rally Captain. What's up, everybody? Salute! Oh, it's the first week, the official week of football, and I can't wait to get back to it. Oh, FedEx Field. Let's make it happen, Ted. I'm telling you, Riley, week one of the NFL season is finally here. It's the inaugural season of the Commanders, five days away. So for those of you that are listening to this, we're recording. It's Tuesday, September 6th. We're just five days away, and we finally get to watch some real football. No more speculation. No more wondering what's going to happen. We actually get to see it in person, live at FedEx Field this Sunday. And I can't wait, man. It's going to be a blast out there. Oh, heck yeah, heck yeah. And I got to tell you, man, I'm tired of all the anal list, if you will. <laughs> because <laughs> because it's, that's how I feel right now. You know, no one knows. Vegas doesn't know. And I know Vegas has their charts that they go by and everything like that. And, and I get it. But no one really knows. No one expected, you know, the Bengals to do what they did. So I would love for us to be that doggone dark horse that, that rises out of the shadows and just proves everyone wrong for once, man, for once. You know what I mean? Oh, I hear you, man. And actually, there was an interesting stat that uh, Chris Kiner, he's the program director, or maybe higher than that on 106.7 The Fan and ESPN 980. For those of you that aren't local, that's the sports stations in the D.C. area. And someone, one of those analysts, if you will, predicted the Bengals to be 30th in the NFL last year. 30th in the power rankings week one. And we all know where they ended up. And some of those same people predicted Washington today as 30th in their power ranking. So it could be a good sign, man. Who knows? Well, I'm just happy that it's almost like during the election when you've got to hear all those freaking ads and you're just like, man, I just want to watch some doggone, you know, some, 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 the idiot box and just not have to be bombarded by this stuff. But uh, nevertheless, it's, it's here. They can't say anymore. It's time to get it. It is, man. It is. And speaking of ads, we've been teasing it for the past couple of weeks. We put a couple of teasers out there on Instagram and on Twitter, but we can finally make the announcement. Hey, guys, we are excited. And I mean, when I say excited, we are excited to welcome Woodbridge Collectibles to the DMV Mess Hall family. Now, Woodbridge Collectibles has a wide variety of memorabilia from music to various sports and more importantly, your hometown favorites. They have autograph items from Redskins legends like Gary Clark, D'Angelo Hall, and even Fred Smoot, just to name a few. And for you guys that are coming to the Detroit game, you know that, that I will be hosting a rally well, Woodbridge Collectibles has given me a Fred Smoot autograph jersey. And I'm going to be raffling off that jersey for $5 a ticket, or you can get six for 20 And all of the proceeds go to the American Red Cross. So I have to say, I am psyched about that, man. What about you? Now, that's awesome, man. To hear that they're helping you raise money for a charity that means a lot to you is great. That they not only stepped up to help the podcast, but they're helping you help out a great cause. So that's just, you know, more bang for the buck right there. Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm excited. And you guys, this jersey is crisp. So whoever decides to put in their raffle money to get this jersey, you guys are going to enjoy it. Yeah, the beauty is they're going to be doing this all season with Rally. As long as the team is not hosting a Rally, Rally captain will be doing his own. So if the team decides to step up, then we'll let them handle that. But the guys at Woodbridge Collectibles signed up with us for the entire season. So they've got, I'm looking at the website right now, a signed a sign Jahan Dotson helmet. They've got a posse poster signed by Ricky Sanders and Gary Clark. 
even for you, you know, silver and blue fans, I got a Micah Parson helmet out here. And I was at a training camp, maybe 10 or 12 days. I know a lot of you guys out there got a bunch of autographs. You got helmets, you got pictures, you got posters signed. Woodbridge Collectibles actually framed my Kerrigan jersey he signed for me and a Sean Taylor jersey that I've got signed by Santana, Portis, and Joe Gibbs. So these guys do a great job. Make sure you get a chance to check them out at woodbridgecollectibles.com. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. And if you use code DMV Mess Hall, you'll get 15% off. So let them know they signed up with us and you're listening. Give them a follow. We really appreciate them for supporting us and appreciate you guys for giving them a chance to help you out with your man cave or your she shed, whatever you got going on down there. Well, see, I think what you need to do, Ted, is I'm going to say it again. I was going to say you say it again, but I'm going to say it again. Ted said, for those of you that are maybe a little bit hard of listening, you mentioned DMV Mess Hall and you'll get 15% off your first order. I don't know about you, but hey, if there's a collectible that I've been looking for, I'm putting that code in and I'm getting my collectible. Put put it, bank it. You can actually sign up on their website for their newsletter and they have different signings, autograph sessions, and a couple things that we can't let out of the bag yet, but I know they're working on getting a couple other Redskins legends to set up a couple of different showings with them in the DC area. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun partnership. We're hoping to get some of the guys on that they actually have at these autograph sessions to talk with us. So we're excited to have them come on board. And I've actually known one of the guys there since he was maybe 16 years old. I couldn't be more excited, man. Man, but my hat's off to those guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, with that being said, we want to jump into the business that is week one, the commanders, and a recent survey that came out in The Athletic. So for those that aren't aware, The Athletic, great publication, Ben Standing, We played a couple of his clips during Rivera's interviews. They actually, this is their fourth annual survey. They reached out to 26 NFL agents, player representatives, and they sent them questions about the NFL. And more importantly for us, Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders. And you have to pay to read The Athletic. You know, we've got a subscription to it over here because we want to be informed, but some of you might have missed it. So we wanted to go over a couple of those questions just so you guys can kind of get the pulse around the league versus just what we hear in the DMV area. And Riley, I know I sent you this article earlier today, and we're not going to go over the entire thing. I don't want to bore people, but there are a couple things in here that I thought were very interesting. And one of the questions that Ben asked was, and the answers were back anonymous. So these agents didn't have to worry about any backlash from the team by what they answered. I always hate those voice of the field surveys or those employee surveys because I feel that my boss is going to read them. Well, you don't have to worry about Snyder or Bruce Allen or any of the Martys knowing who actually replied back with this. But they said, do Snyder's off the field matters affect how you present Washington to clients? I've always wondered this. I don't know about you. Well, I have actually, but go ahead. Nine of the 23 agents actually answered yes, it does matter on how they present it to their clients. And here's a couple of quotes. For players, it's not appealing to go to a team that has many problems and is controversially in the news. Ultimately, the commanders are probably a team that has to outbid other teams by a wide margin to get players to come here. I've had players sign there, past relationships with coaches and staff matter. But for a free agent with options, it's concerning there's so much controversy affiliated with the commanders. On the bright side, they do have a good coaching staff with Ron Rivera. And this morning, Bruce Allen, just kind of out of nowhere, decided that he was going to testify with a House Oversight Committee. And he had a deposition at 1130 today, which is behind closed doors. But this is some of that kind of controversial Snyder off the field stuff that has always worried me about, is that going to stop a big name free agent from coming here? I'm curious what you were thinking. Well, I've always thought that it would. And obviously I'm not a player, but I look at the backlash and I can only relate to my level, my, my, my wheelhouse, if you will, as being a fan. 
And one of the biggest things that always happens to me is I get called all kinds of names. I'm sure you do too. Oh yeah. Why are you still, why do you still like this team? You know, you're a Dan Snyder bot, you know, you're a Dan Snyder, this, you're a Dan Snyder, that. So I can imagine that from a player perspective, when you've got 31 other teams that you could go to, or let's just say, how about this? Let's, let's, let's take it down to just say top tier 20 teams that you really want to go to. Why would I want to come to Washington? Yeah, okay, they got the monuments and they've got pretty good food and they've got some good sites. But other than that, I don't want that backlash unless, unless, and you know what I'm going to say, that old Wu-Tang, cash rules everything around me. What's the cream look like, Ted? If the cream looks good, I think that people will have a hard time saying no. But we do know that we offered Russell Wilson a boatload of money. We know that we offered Amani Cooper a boatload of money, and they both said what? No. Yeah. So yeah, that's actually that's... one of the headlines in here talked about Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray and yeah. saying how agents and sources basically said the negative headlines capsized the pursuit of both of those tier one quarterbacks. And those of you that might have forgotten, Carson was traded here. So he had no choice but to come. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of those guys out there on the market that did have a choice weren't interested in coming here. But the good news is 14 agents said that Snyder Factor isn't one that concerns them. I thought it would actually be higher than that out of the 26. I thought that, or 23 agents, I thought more of them would bring it up to the players. And one of them actually said, he would bring it up, but ultimately it's the player's decision. And even if it's just as simple as having to answer questions about the owner and why they chose the organization despite what's going on, at the end of the day, what these players want is to get paid. And if Washington is a team paying them and they believe in the coach, which this agent does in Rivera, they're still going to sign there. And that goes back to what I said. So a lot of times, here's the other thing. We look at, like, Terry McLaurin. He signed, I mean, what was it, 71 million? Something to that effect? It was, yeah. What was it? Yeah. So three years? Three years, $71 million deal. Do we think that someone would have paid him more? I'm sure they probably would have. But he decided to stay here for whatever reasons he said. And, and I, I can't get into it. And the mere fact that he's here is all I care about. So... It can help. And we all know that back in the day, Dan would throw money at players and they would come here. They were, albeit they were pretty much at the end of their career. They probably should have never signed them, but he threw boatloads of money at them and they did come. So I, I still believe, like I said, that, that cream makes people change their mind on things. Yeah, I, I agree. I think everybody wants to earn money. They want to make as much as they can. It's it's generational wealth. It's not for them in particular. It's for their grandkids' grandkids at that point. Right. You know, it's they get paid a king's ransom to play a game. But hearing that some of the negative that we all hear being in the DC area isn't necessarily negatively affecting you with some of the top tier talent out there. It would have been great to have Russell Wilson come here. But considering what the Broncos paid him for an extension. This team has way too many holes to be paying a Russell Wilson that kind of money and actually be competitive, even if he did come here. And right. we got Carson somewhat on the cheap, if you will, if it works out. And if it doesn't work out, even better, because he's got no cap hit. But speaking of Carson, they actually asked a couple of agents that represent players who played with Carson in Philly or Indy and one of the questions they ask is, what's your sense of Carson at this point in his career and Washington's decision to acquire him? One of them replied and said, even when he was having success, the things I would hear about him in the locker room in Philly did not endear me to him. Well, that said, there was a time when he was just a supremely talented quarterback. He's not that anymore. And I think people are still clinging to that stretch. He's gone through some pretty major injuries, and I don't think he's the same player, 
I also think his confidence has been totally shaken with what's gone on in Philadelphia and Indianapolis. And let me tell you, man, after watching him at camp, after hearing, you know, Chase Rouye and a bunch of the players, after seeing him when the cameras were off, I don't buy this. I don't buy that he just didn't fit in with those guys there. I just don't think that he was in the same situation at that point in his life that some of that locker room was in. And I think that he has found a home here. And granted, it's week one. They haven't played a single game. Nothing counts yet. But seeing the guys get together and their wives get together and Carson's kids playing with the other guy's kids out at practice when everyone's home and all the media's gone, it's those things like that that make it feel like home for you. I'm curious what you're thinking. Ted, man, let me tell you. So once again, I can't speak for Carson. I can only speak for the captain. And there are people who have different views of me due to this or due to that. And But the fact is, have realistically, have any of them talked to me? I think what we're seeing is, and what we're hearing is, we've got a lot of hearsay. And maybe it did happen that way in Philadelphia. Maybe it did happen that way in, in Indianapolis. Is he this, this, is he showing those same traits now with us? And if the answer is no, then I don't care what happened over there until, until his play is affected on the field here. So talk bad about him all you want. Talk bad about you. Talk bad about anybody all you want. But wait until you sit, you sit down and talk to him. And until then, shut your mouth. That's how I feel about that, man. You know, like I said, everybody, everyone, man, no one's perfect, bro. No one is perfect. And if, no. and if, and if this is what it took for him to hypothetically clear the cobwebs out of his head for whatever was happening in those, with those two organizations, then so be it. So be it. Let's ride with them for what he's offering us and not what he didn't offer them. And what a lot of these national analysts or these pundits or whatever you want to call them don't know is what we as a fan base have gone through at that position. Mm -hmm. We have had just a ridiculous amount of quarterbacks in the past three years. Yes, Carson is on his third team in three years, but these people don't take into account how many quarterbacks we have had here in three years. We Endless. now have a guy that has unbelievable talent. Is he the same player from 2017? Is he the same player that took the Eagles to the Super Bowl and probably would have won it if he didn't get hurt? No. Am I the same guy from four or five years ago? No, not at all. But one thing that doing a show with Trey Johnson taught me in the past was when you start to lose certain, I guess, maybe athletic traits, if you will, or, you know, you lose a portion of your game. You might not be as fast as you used to be. You might not be able to come off that ball like you used to or pull and make that block like you used to. You make up for it cerebrally. You make up for it by watching more film and understanding things better. And the game somewhat slows down for you in that aspect. And I feel that Carson knows this is his last hurrah that he has got to get this right as a starting quarterback or else mm -hmm. he's going to get a chance in the league, but he's not going to get a chance as a QB one. Right. So he's got to get it right here to a degree. And he has weapons. What he did with that Eagle team, when he brought them basically on the brink of the Super Bowl before he got hurt, he didn't have weapons. He was hiding a lot of things. He's got weapons here. And this offense is not what I'm concerned about. We've talked about that for weeks now. I feel that this offense and Scott Turner can really just light it up. But are they going to be able as a team to keep up because the defense might not be able to slow as many people down? That to me is a real question on how far this Washington team can go. Ted, it's going to come down to, with Philadelphia, it was Doug Peterson. For the commanders, it's North Turner. What is he going to be able to do to 
bring out Carson's strong suits. Forget his strong suits for Philly and his strong suits for Indianapolis. What are his commander's strong suits? Once again, I don't care what he did over there. That's a done, that book's, that chapter's closed. It's done. You can't look back. What are you going to do with the commanders? And that's all I care about. So once again, when I hear these analysts talking the way that they do, I, I, I let it go in one ear and I, it goes out the other because what you did doesn't matter. It's what you're going to do. And basically, we've got four days to find out what's going to happen. And I, I know you meant Scott Turner, not Norm, but no, I'm, I'm sorry, I Scott, you. Scott Turner. Yeah. I mean, it's his dad's playbook and he's, yeah. you know, modified it and he's done a bunch of stuff and his dad's been in practice and he's got that Turner name to live up to. So mm -hmm. a lot of people are saying that if Scott can redo Carson's career and, you know, JP Finley, the guys on the Watch Football Talk podcast, they've got a t-shirt out that says, make Carson Wentz great again. And regardless of your political <laughs> belief, you know, whether you're Republican or Democrat, it's a funny t-shirt. Can Washington make Carson great again? Can Scott Turner make Carson great again? And I feel that they can, I feel that they will. And like you said, in just, you know, four or five short days, depending when you're listening to this, we're going to finally get a chance to see it in person because we are the commanders. The commanders. The commanders. The Washington And commanders. we finally get a chance to see what we can do. But when we recorded last week, the team decided to do something after our show that we didn't get a chance to talk about. And this one I'm not as excited about. They only had three linebackers on the roster when we finished our last show. They moved a bunch of things around. And they brought back an old faithful, if you will, John Bostic. John is back. He's entering his 10th season in the NFL, and his fourth was us. Those that don't remember, he tore his pec in week four against the Falcons, ended his season, but he played all 32 games his first two years here. So it's not like he's really injury prone. We didn't re-sign him in the offseason, and he went to go try out for the Saints. Well, the Saints didn't think he was worthy of a roster spot, and they let him go. So Rivera and the Martys swooped in and gave Bostic a home. So John is back, and I don't really know how to feel about this, man. Man, that tells me that they still don't have faith in Jamin. That's what it tells me. Point blank, period. They don't. And yes, I know that you can be politically correct on the mic and say that he's he's he, he's making all of his reads. He's doing this, that, and the other. They've got to hide him to a degree. And when Bostic can't go, you'll see Jamin. But best believe it won't be for 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 many plays, unless Jamin just doggone just balls out when he gets in. But right now, it's a situation where. They need someone who is tried and true as far as being able to read a defense. Now, do we know if is he going to be the Mike or is he no. going to be the weak? He's, he's, he's going to be not. the weak linebacker. Okay. He's going to be the weak linebacker. And okay. the team is primarily going to go with a nickel situation. We're only going to go with two backers. So in the depth chart that came out today, it is Holcomb and Davis as your two linebackers. And behind Davis, surprisingly, I thought this was kind of odd, was Bostic. And behind Holcomb was Mayo, which I didn't understand that because Bostic played Mike before. But Rivera actually said, and this was his explanation for signing Bostic. He's a guy that when he's been on the field for us, he's done a really nice job commanding the defense. And I don't know if Ron winked when he said that, but he actually said commanding the defense. Hmm. So, I think a guy like that can help as far as the development of a Jamin Davis. I think that'll be really good for Jamin to see a guy like that out there working, preparing, getting himself ready to go. You get a chance to watch his tape from New Orleans. There's a lot of good things. We're pretty excited about it. I'm yeah. sorry, man, but I call that's just, 
Rivera saying that to me just pisses me off because if you really wanted Jamin to learn from Bostic, you would have brought him in and had him actually learn through OTAs and mini camp and training camp, not the week before week one of the regular season. That's a bunch of crap. And I don't know who he's thinking is buying it. As I said, Jamin may start, but Bostic is going to come in. And, and once Bostic makes the right call on defense or makes the right read, I shouldn't say the right call since he's not going to be the mic, but once he makes the right read, he's going to stay in there and continue to have more playing time. And Jamin is going to diminish. I've always said, and I'll say it until I'm blue in the face, put Jamin in the position that he can succeed in. And once again, B. Mitch said it perfectly. Stop being so damn stubborn. You've got, yeah. you've got, a, you've got a horse that can run, but you're not letting him out the pasture. You're bottling, you're bottling them up. So stop being so stubborn. And yeah, you may have made a mistake on making him a first round pick, but the fact is he's, he's yours now. So make it worth your while. And the good news is he's playing outside backer. He doesn't have to make calls. He doesn't have to make decisions. And they don't have a ton of depth behind this defense. If your linebackers go down, you don't have a ton of depth. And if Cole Holcomb went down, we all know how bad that experiment went last year with Jamin playing Mike. So I feel that they brought Bostic in, even though on the depth chart that came out today, which is not official, the official depth chart comes out on Wednesday. So by the time you hear this, you'll see it. But I feel that they trust Bostic to make those calls. And Definitely. if something, heaven forbid, were to happen to Holcomb, Bostic would take that natural position and get out there. And yes, the NFL in general is not valuing linebackers as much as they used to. But it's not about valuing them as much as they used to. This is a violent sport. Linebacker is a violent position. Is Holcomb going to make it through 17 games? I don't know. He might, but is he going to play every snap? I guarantee you that's not going to happen. So you're going to need someone else to fill in there. I am just frustrated as a fan of this team and as someone that listens to everything Riverboat says, where <laughs> he said at the first week in camp, we're going to see how these linebackers do and reassess. Well, week one of camp came. They didn't do a damn thing. Then you get through the preseason games and we're getting torched. They don't do anything. They did not add a single player to this defense from a free agency perspective. I really believe, and this is the only logic that makes sense to me. I think that the commanders believe that the defense is going to be better because the teams we are playing on paper are worse. And they're trying to feed us a bunch of horse to think that because we were the 21st ranked defense or whatever it is last year, that we'll be the 17th this year without adding anybody because we're not playing all these tier one quarterbacks. So we'll believe that they actually really did improve where we know that the competition on paper just went down a couple notches. And to me, that's being lazy. Because the Eagles improved a ton on offense and defense. To me, you've got to keep up with your division. And we are not keeping up with the best team in our division. We added a ton of weapons on the offense. We didn't add a single damn thing on the defense. And that is what scares the hell out of me, man. Man. So, oh, bro, it, you know, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And we talked about this previously. And, and, and we've got a defensive-minded coach. We've got a former player defense, former player defensive coach. Uh, coach Del Rio. Del Rio. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, wait a minute. They, they should, out of all people, should understand what's on paper doesn't play the game. 
It just doesn't. It has never worked that way. You know, you, how many times has have we seen where a team, oh, they, there's no way they can beat this team, and all of a sudden they, they pull out a victory? Well, I mean, that's a hope. That's a once, and, and who knows, we're going to be battling for 17 weeks on a hope. And that's not good, man. It just isn't. No. I mean, we, it's one of the names of one of our other past episodes. If you haven't caught it, hope is not a strategy. And I'm, I'm not trying to be negative, but I want to hold this staff accountable. And trying to sell us a bill of goods that we are now a better defense because you picked up John Bostic. And it just, it doesn't smell right to me. It doesn't look well, right to me. And yes, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think to a, to a small degree, Ted, a small degree that we are better. Now, am I saying hugely better? No, but Bostic, as much as we may not like him or, or dislike him, whatever verbiage you want to put on it, the guy does have experience. Now, will we, will we would have liked to have a younger guy who played linebacker who's had a couple of years in the league? Yes. But right now, these are the cookies we've got to dip in our milk. And so I got to ride with them. I have oh, yeah. to. I know. You're 10 toes in. I, I get it. And I'm, I'm right there with you. And just because I criticize them, they're still my team. I just want them to do better when it comes to putting the best product on the field. And I really don't think we're going to see a ton of John unless Jamin just looks lost. But I've got to have faith from what I've seen at Jamin in camp and during those preseason games, the fact that Jamin was playing, the fact that he was the only starter playing that Ravens game, they know they need to get him reps. And I just hope that because we're starting off with a somewhat easier schedule on paper and i hate talking about that but because we're starting off with you know the jaguars and the lions you and i gave our breakdown last week that it'll give Jamin a chance to maybe get more up to speed versus starting off with the eagles or the packers if you will but we'll finally see this week what's going to happen because rivera's teams traditionally start off slow he was what two and six year one, and then two and seven last year. This team cannot afford to start off slow like that because we don't have a buy until week fourteen. They have got to prove themselves early on in this schedule if they truly want to contend. And Vegas has us at eight, eight and a half, depending on where you're looking at it. I'm hearing all of our local media putting us between seven to nine wins. No one yeah. is really going any higher than that. And I think that's because we don't know what Washington team we're going to see. We have never seen Scott Turner's true offense. No one knows what to expect right now. And that's really what makes this game so much fun. So do you think that they're just going to air it all out? Or do you think they're going to, I'm not going to say play it cautious because we can't afford to play it cautious. Do you think that he's going to just, go to page 25 of the playbook and just let it hang out. I mean, just go right to the page 25, or is he going to stay on page one and try to baby walk it? I mean, I, I really want to see it, man, because all we've ever heard is, Oh, this offense, like you said, this offense is, is phenomenal. It can be, you guys just don't know. We're waiting to see it. Well, I'll be doggone, man. I need to see it. <laughs> I hear you, man. And, I, I really think that Turner and them, they've been treating Carson with kid gloves. They know Carson has a damaged ego, at least in the national media's minds. And I really think in their minds as well. I mean, we heard Jason Wright come to Carson's defense after that interview with Scott Abraham. You know, I think that they feel like they've got to treat him with kid gloves. So they're going to make this offense as simple yet dynamic as possible week one i don't think they're gonna go all out balls of the wall and just have a track meet we're not going to see the greatest show on turf week one even though ken zampezi was part of that as our quarterbacks coach here 
I think they're going to give Carson some quick and easy reads, get that ball out of his hands, and get him comfortable. When this team did well last year, it was on the back of Antonio Gibson having 100-plus yards a game and holding on to that ball during that four-game win streak. Carson does very well in a play-action pass kind of game. And if they can get that run game going, then we got a chance to hit those deep digs to Terry, to open that field up with Jahan, to see what we can do with Logan. But is he going to air it out and hit those long balls? I don't know, man, because on top of that, Scott Turner, and I read this stat earlier today, is super predictable. If on first down, it's an incomplete pass or a sack, he is going to run the ball on third down pretty much seven out of 10 times. They said he is the third most predictable coordinator with second down runs in the league. So just knowing that, the fact that I know that and our listeners know that now better be damn sure that defensive coordinators know that and his tendencies. So you've got to break those tendencies and you've got to catch people off guard. And yeah. I feel that we can do that with Curtis Samuel back there healthy, with a J.D. McKissick back there healthy, being able to move those guys in motion. Because what that does is it allows Carson to know pre-snap what the defense is running and he is smart enough and he's a veteran where he can make those audibles or no quick way or quick read where he's got to go with that ball. That's what I'm let, hoping. Let me, let, let me ask you a question, man. And, and, and I really, I've heard different stories of this and you, you brought up Antonio Gibson. Is he going to be our starter or is the other guy going to be our starter? I, and, I, and forgive me guys, my listening audience, our listening audience, I can't, I don't remember his name offhand, but um, the other running back, is he going to start? Williams. Because I'm here. I'm hearing Williams is going to start, not AG. No. no way. I'm sorry. There's no way Jonathan Williams is starting over Antonio Gibson. So they came out with, and those of you that are watching this on YouTube, please hit subscribe, but we'll put this on the YouTube channel so you can see it. They came out with a depth chart. And your kick returner one is Dax Milne, not Dax Antonio Milne, Gibson. Yeah. So yeah. Milne was the punt returner number one on the first depth chart that came out after those cuts. And then they asked Rivera, are we still going to see Gibson back there? And Rivera said, you still might. I don't know who Ron thinks is stupid, but we're not. <laughs> we're not going to see Gibson back there. The fact that we had the sixth leading rusher in the NFL as our lead back that we don't want is a good problem to have. Gibson is going to be your bell cow week one. It's not going to be Jonathan Williams. Williams will get carrots. He may get okay. five to seven to eight carries, but okay. AG, unless he puts that ball on the turf, is going to be your lead back week one. Hopefully well, my, until Robinson gets back. My fingers are crossed that he does not put the ball on the ground. Well, we know what happened week one against the Chargers. You know, we nah. lost that Chargers game because he put that ball on the ground inside our 20, and we lost that game. It wasn't just because of that fumble, but – Ball security is job security, and he knows now that he's got to hold on to that ball because he's got Robinson waiting in the wings when he is healthy and he's back from that gunshot, and that's crazy to say. Heck, yeah. So basically what we're hearing is AG is the wince of running backs. This right is now, his last yeah. time. This is, this is his last time. He's got too his much last. talent for it to be his last time, and he's still too young. But for yeah. this team, Rivera this team, will not yeah. give him that ball if he puts it back on the ground again. There's just no way. Because he also – it's not even putting the ball on the ground. He leaves too many yards on the field. He turns holes down, and he'll run past where he's supposed to go for the design play. So it's frustrated, which is crazy to say because he had 1,400 yards last year. But he could have had so many more, but this is not his natural position. So – it's a good problem to have that your second running back is Antonio Gibson because your first one who should be Brian Robinson is recovering from a gunshot. And last time we had our show, he was on the roster. The team decided to put him on the NFI list, the non-football injury list. So that means he is out until week five. And we most likely won't see him probably until week six, because he still has to ramp up once they activate him off that list. But yeah. the good news is 
According to Rivera, the young man is doing well in his recovery. He's just been feeling sore and he's trying to bounce back from, you know, what was just a tragic, senseless act of violence. Well, yeah, you've got an unnatural hole in yourself, in your body. So, yeah, man, I mean, that's you got to bounce back. But one thing that I'm really just amazed at, 1,400 yards. That's what I'm amazed at, man. Yeah. No, I mean, Gibson did a great job. But we went over this in past shows. He was left off of the top 10 running back list by everybody out there because he also led the league in somewhat of a more important stat to us, six fumbles. Yeah. You cannot put the ball on the ground. And he only lost four of them. So, okay, I only had to hold my breath for four of those six fumbles. I'm sorry. It just <laughs> can't do cannot, it. <laughs> no, you can't put yourself in a bad situation. And those two fumbles that he didn't lose, how much yards, how many yards did he lose and set the team back? And he's a good guy. I've had a chance to speak with him. I've had a chance to talk to him, met him. Cool. He hit this offseason ready to go as RB1. He lost a ton of weight, got on a diet with Chef Mel, had him on this plan. The Washington Post did a great article on it, how Gibson has changed his body and just looks ready for the position. It was just bad luck, if you will, that he fumbled that ball in that first game. And now, you know, Robinson's ready to go. And that's just because Robinson, you know, knocking on wood during his entire career at Alabama has never put the ball on the ground and he's got that style that bruiser style that Rivera likes which I think is kind of outdated in the NFL but that's what your coach wants to run so that's why they kept Jonathan Williams over a Jarrett Patterson during Rivera's presser they asked him why Patterson or why not Patterson over Williams and they said Williams runs like Robinson he has the same moves and style as Robinson so that quote right there should tell you that Robinson is your RB1. But if AG is averaging 150 yards a game and he's got the hot hand, they're not taking him out when Robinson's back. Yeah, no, yeah, they won't do that. No, that's not going to happen. And if that happens, we got a damn good problem to have. And the NFL isn't like MLB. But, man, to have two running backs reminds me of when they had a – was uh, thunder and lightning for the Giants? It was a uh, barber, and who was the other guy they had over there? That big boy. I'll think about uh, it later. Yeah, it'll, it'll hit me later. It, it's mm. just—it's a nice thing to have to worry about. But week one, it's going to be AG. We're going to okay. go with him. See how it goes. But keep in mind, we still got JD McKissick. We might have forgot about him because he got hurt towards the end of last season. But JD is going to be back and he's going to be healthy, and he can also run that ball, and he is a weapon out of that backfield in the flat. There was that Falcons game that I know you were at last year. We had that screen pass and took that thing to the house. Man, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do. Once again, we are waiting, Scott. We're waiting, <laughs> brother. We, we know you've got it in you, and for all intents and purposes – You've got a fully competent staff to run it. So I don't want to hear any excuses. Don't want to hear it. Let's make it happen. I always say during the games, earn your money. And this Sunday is going to be the time that the team and those players earn their money. FedEx Field needs a win week one. We need it. We We do. do. To start off the first season as a Commanders with a W and to have Carson come out and actually do what people are saying he cannot do would be amazing. But we'll get into our Woodbridge Collectibles signature moment or signature player of the game. But some more good news is the team hired Ryan Kerrigan as the assistant defensive line coach. They announced that the other day. And some of you might say, well, we thought Ryan was already working for the team. No, Ryan retired, and 48 hours later, he signed a one-day contract with the commander so he could retire a Washington player, ending his 10-year career, but the team decided to actually bring him on. So Ryan was volunteering. When he was out at camp, 
He was not actually employed by the team. He was trying to see if he wanted to be a coach and if it was something he could do. The team fired Sam Mills. We talked about it on the past episode. Go look it up. They promoted Jeff Scanina as the defensive line coach after Mills was let go. And yep. now they promoted Ryan to Scanina's old position, assistant defensive line coach. And I'm excited about what Ryan can do. The media actually asked Rivera what he thinks about Ryan taking this position. So let me play that clip for you real quick. Going back to Ryan, the fact that he was teammates with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and those guys, and he like knows their techniques and their skill set, how can that help both the ends and Ryan as a coach? Well, I think if you understand, you know what what are your your your, your players' strengths and weaknesses, you know that'll be a focus. It'll be working on refining those strengths and improving those weaknesses. I think that's a that's a huge benefit for a coach, especially somebody that, that can be technically sound at that position and really truly understand it. I mean. You know, like I've said before, the toughest position on this team is linebacker because of the three guys that, that have all played it. You know, we, we, we sit there and you can really help a guy refine what he does and how he does it based on your practical experience. And that's that's what you're going to see with Ryan, um, him being able to work with 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 Montez and, you know, and, and Chase. I, I think that's going to be huge. And then helping Casey and James Smith and F.A., you know, for, for those those guys, that's be great. But the guys that I'm really interested to see how it impacts are going to be the young guys. You know, how does it affect Shaka? How does it affect BK? I mean, those are those are young guys that could really benefit from from that, and hopefully they're taking advantage of it. And this defensive line has been a problem. They've got way too much talent to underperform. And I'm hoping that Ryan now actually being officially a coach and someone that played with these guys, someone that they respect, pushes that D-line and gives them that extra kick in the butt to go where they need to go, to be what we all know they can be or what they should be on paper. Yeah, I think the defensive line played, what, two years with Ryan at least, at a, at a minimum two, one at the minimum, and uh, then he moved on to Philly, obviously. But uh, like you said, he garners respect. The man is pretty much the all-time sack leader in Redskins history, commanders, or I should say, uh, Washington football team history. So the fact is, he just didn't get it by resting on his laurels. So you can respect that. And I, I think I told you back in the day when um, uh, the, the gentleman came in and was helping us. And I said, I don't care about him coming in helping us. I don't, I don't, uh, uh, sap. I said, I said, I don't, I don't want him coming. I mean, what good is him coming in? 15, 30 weeks before the season starts, what's that? Gonna, those guys are going to forget that stuff. But this is what I'm talking about. Day-to-day, hands-on, what they need from a guy that's proven that he, that he can do it and he's done it. So that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, I am too. And Ryan is just, he's a consummate professional. He knows how to take care of his body i mean they joke how he doesn't have a beer or anything during the season because you won't put that stuff in him how when they would go out to dinner with his family it was just chicken and rice and just straight protein he was eating i mean it's things like that that you know believe it or not make a big difference in your game you know uh, what was it chase ruge was talking about how carson wentz goes out to dinners with the offensive lineman and carson doesn't do dairy and doesn't do gluten but he's eaten three steaks when they go out to dinner. So he just doesn't do the apps <laughs> with the mozzarella sticks. Three steaks, and all huh? this other stuff. <laughs> but, you know, Kerrigan won't do that. And some of you heard Rally say Dexter with a sack record. Those young bucks that don't know, they didn't actually track sacks during Dexter's first year. So Dexter has the unofficial record. Yeah. Kerrigan yeah. has the official record recognized by the team. And Rowley wasn't wrong. He's 100% spot on with that. And I forget how many young kids we got listening to the show sometimes when they send us tweets. But Pete Haley, during one of the press conferences, asked Ryan this. So Ryan had a presser yesterday being Labor Day. 
Pass rush discipline is something this D-line has been criticized before by Ron. To you, what does good pass rush discipline look like, pass lane discipline, and how do you instill that in these guys so they you know, stop having that criticism? It's, I mean, the mantra for rushing is one, is one we used for a few years, and I think that's, that's pivotal. I mean, you, you, don't wanna, you don't want guys to rush cautiously, but you want them to be aware. That's the big thing. You got to have a feel. You got to be aware of where the quarterback is. You got to... You gotta have. You just gotta have that feel. Gotta have. Gotta be. That has to be at the forefront of your mind when you're when you're rushing because you can't. If you're a defensive end, you can't. You know, turn it at 12 yards and expect the quarterback to just be sitting there. He's, that's gonna create a massive B gap window. So, you know, that's something. Uh, you know, we're definitely gonna emphasize and and work on so that we can. You know, get better pressure on quarterbacks. Four rushing as one. That right there is something that we have all been complaining about. Rivera's been complaining about Del Rio since they've been here. They have rushed as a selfish unit. We saw it against the Chiefs. The secondary did a good job. Mahomes couldn't find people to throw to for the first couple of seconds. But eventually, you saw guys getting out of their lane, getting out of their gap. And just like Ryan said, you've got that hole in that B gap, and next thing you know, guy steps up. Yeah, he improvised. Thank, yep. Yeah, thank goodness we're not playing Mahomes or Mahomes-like players every week, but we can't afford to not rush as one. And some of you might say, well, Ryan was here during preseason, and they still did that. When Ryan was here during preseason, he did not coach the guys. They specifically asked him, and he came out and talked about it, how he was there to shadow. He was there to learn himself. He didn't Mm -hmm. want to give advice to the players, to his former teammates, to his brothers, unless they specifically asked for it because he was not a coach. Now that he is a coach, now that he is their leader, if you will, then he won't be shy of making sure that four rushes won and taking his guidance and taking his leadership because he did it at the highest level for a very long time and I'm telling you, I don't see a negative thing at all with Ryan coming on board, and I'm excited that he's still going to be in the Burgundy and Gold in some fashion other than he has made $70 million, I think, in his career. I would be on a beach someplace with a satellite dish watching the game, not sitting at (laughs) Commander's Park putting in 100 hours a week. That's just me. Well, the thing is, man, when the game is in you, it's in you. And so I I agree with you, you know, but obviously he's not ready to let it go yet and nor is it ready to let him go. So he's got to continue to fulfill that oomph, if you will, that's inside of him. When it finally goes away, he'll know, you'll know, we all will know. So, but I think right now he gets excited out of seeing those guys do what he did. And it's in, in essence, it's kind of like now he can live through them. The, the, the tradition can continue on through them from him. Definitely, definitely. I, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And something I'm hopefully going to get a chance to see, we're all going to get a chance to see, is Cam Curl on the field this Sunday against Jags. Last week during our show, we talked about it. And for those that haven't seen on social media, Cam Curl suffered an injury against the Chiefs. It was apparently a freak accident, according to him. And Ben Standing from The Athletic, where we read his article earlier, actually was able to find out that Cam got surgery on his thumb. His hand is in a cast to protect the incision, but Cam thinks he's going to play. Cam hopes he's going to be there, whether they got to put his hand in a club or whatever it may be. Maybe they do the JPP and put some massive thing on it after he lost his finger or that firework accident. I don't know, but we need Cam Curl out there. He is a massive part of this commander's defense. We talk about the front four. Well, Cam is really the leader of that back secondary. And yes, we can afford to not have him there, but really from a depth perspective, if Cam can't go, you're talking Derek Forrest as your strong safety. This is Derek's second year. Derek. Who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said, who? 
<laughs> so, and we talked about this earlier, depth. Your strong safety is Cam Curl and Derek Forrest. Your free Derek safety, Forrest. Bobby McCain, Percy Butler, who's the rookie that we drafted, and Jeremy Reeves. You don't have a ton of depth on this team, on your defense. And I'm hoping that Cam can go. Cam says he can go. But we all know from watching RG3 against, who was it, the Packers game in the playoffs where we thought he could go? Oh, no, Seattle in Seattle. the playoffs we thought he could go. And next thing you know, he couldn't. And he's never been the same since and hasn't actually stepped yeah. on the field again. You can't trust what the player says. So we got to hope that those trainers, the ones that had the plan for Curtis, have a good plan for Cam. And we can actually see him against Jags because we got an interesting matchup week one, man. Let me tell you. Yeah. And, and don't think that just because, oh, well, they were three and 13 last year. So that's why they, they, they're not a good team. No, we know. I, I spoke about it earlier. Peterson, their coach, he put Philly, he took them to the Super Bowl. And, and the only reason why he's not there, let's face it, is because of what happened two years ago when he took Jalen out of the game. Because they were Carson. pretty much doing Carson. I'm sorry. No, they, they took Jalen out and they put in. Oh, they yeah, put yeah, in yeah, yeah, you're right. My bad. My bad. Yep. Yeah. They, they, they took Jalen out and put in Nick Foles. Sudfeld. Not Nick Foles. Sudfeld. Sudfeld. Excuse me. Sudfeld. And uh, so, yeah, that's the only reason why we made the playoffs. And because of that, he got fired. Well, now, guess what? He's got a, a new team under his belt that he, he wants people to know that he is a bona fide coach. Forget what happened in Philadelphia. He's trying to lay his roots down with a new team, a new quarterback. And the man has an offensive mind. So we can't go into this game thinking, oh, just because they were 3-13, and 13, that, 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 no, it doesn't work that way. And just like, here's the thing, just like everyone from the, from the commander's side is thinking that way about them, don't you think that they are thinking the same thing about us? Oh, this should be an easy win for us. They don't care that, that this is Scott Turner's offense or Ron Rivera. They think that we are a drop in the bucket, a homecoming game. No different what? than what we think about them. So they're going to put on and put their helmets on and lace the cleats up just like we are. And it's going to come down to forget all that three and 13 or, or, or six and 10 or well, forget all that stuff, man. This is a new year. This is 2022. All that other stuff does not matter. It's like when you're buying a house and you ask, does the furniture convey? It doesn't convey, bro. This is something that's brand new. So it's time to get out of that mindset, forget what you heard, and get busy on September 11th. Yeah, it's not going to be an easy task. I mean, the last time Wentz faced the Jags was week 18, a winning in game, and they're in the playoffs, and he went 17 to 29 for 185 yards with one touchdown and two turnovers. And the thing is, we all know the Jaguars. The Jaguars are basically, they're worse than us for the AFC. Since 2011, they've been the worst team in the league. They've gone 47 and 130. They've got a .266 win percentage since 2011. They were three and 14 last year. We got that 17 games now, not the 16. But they are not the same Jacks. Urban Meyer was a joke. They realized it, and they got rid of his ass. Doug Peterson is a damn good coach. Yeah. And the Jags signed 16 players this offseason. They spent the most money in the NFL this offseason. They spent $328.9 million in free agency. 195 of that is guaranteed. 195 million of that is guaranteed. They brought in Evan Ingram for the Giants, Christian Kirk from the Cardinals. They signed Kirk to a four-year, $72 million deal that could be worth up to $84 million. Over the past four seasons, Kirk has had 236 catches, almost 3,000 yards, and 17 touchdowns. 
So this isn't your same horrible Jags that we're used to just mopping up and beating and counting as a win. They had two first round picks last year and they took Trevon Walker and Devin Lloyd. So their defense is going to be better. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be as easy a cakewalk because we don't know what Peterson is going to do. And we know that Trevor Lawrence is better than what we saw when Urban Meyer was his head coach. And he's got something to prove. And he's got legs. That's what scares me. If this defense does not rush four as one, and our linebackers aren't keeping position, is Trevor Lawrence going to be able to buy time and get to, don't forget, Travis Etienne out of that backfield? And who's their running back that was hurt? James Robinson is going to play week one. We weren't sure, but it's actually been announced. Peterson said he's going to be there. So this isn't your mom and dad's old Jacks. We've got a tough matchup week one. But I'm curious. Woodbridge Collectibles Signature Player of the Week. This is a segment that we're going to do every week where Rally is going to give his player that he feels has to have that signature moment for the commanders that week for us to win the game. I'm curious who your signature player is this Sunday for us to walk out of FedEx Field with that dub. Well, we've been talking about him, and uh, it's my second-year player, Jamin Davis. I really Really? feel, yeah, I really feel that our defense, specifically our linebacker core, has to step up. And if he is the young man that is tasked to do the job, he's got to do it, man. And I feel that Holcomb or Bostic, they've sung this dance before. They danced this dance before. They sang this song before. Davis hasn't. Now, I understand that he is saying the right things. And for the most part, he does look a little bit better. And I'm going to say a little bit better. I'm not going to say 100% better, but a little bit better. If they exploit the kid, we're in trouble. I feel as though it's less likely to happen with Bostic or um, Holcomb, but I feel that he could be our chink in the armor, and I'm hoping and praying that, like he says, he feels more comfortable being himself this year, that he actually is, you know? I mean, let's face it. He was the 19th overall pick in 2021, and we as Commanders fans were back then Washington football team fans. We had high expectations for the kid, but he fell short. Now, I've always said he fell short because that's not his natural position. I'm not going to harp on that. But the fact of the matter is, you're in the pros, dude. I don't want to hear anything else. You're a professional athlete. And if you can't cut the mustard, then you got to do something else. So to me, Ted, from what Rich Cleckles player, that's who it is for me, Jamin Davis. You surprised me, man. I did not think you would go defense. I, I, You definitely caught me off guard with that one. And I hope you're right, man. I hope that we get to see what Rivera and the staff saw in Davis's tape from Kentucky, why they took him at 19, why they took him that high. Because when you don't have to think at Mike, he has made plays. He is rangy. He has got speed. He's athletic. He can go sideline to sideline. He reminds me of Sean when he goes sideline to sideline, and he is in on every play. Sometimes he's not there first because he's still thinking. But when he is reacting and knows where he has to be, he can really make an impact. And we saw glimpses of it last season. We -hmm. saw a couple of those moments during preseason. So I'm liking your signature player. For me, it's going to be Terry. I think Terry finally has a true wide receiver across from him in Jahan. Um, I'm not even saying Curtis because I don't want to jinx Curtis. I don't know if he's going to – I don't know what Curtis is going to do or what they're going to do with him. But to me, Jahan is wide receiver too. 
we finally have another receiver that other teams are going to have to respect. And Terry's most likely going to draw their top corner. Their top corner is Tyson Campbell, who's just a second round kid, not second round. Yeah, it was a second round pick out of Georgia last year. So this is his sophomore year. I think Terry is going to take that sophomore to school this weekend, and he's going to put up maybe a buck 20 and a touchdown, and he is going to have his best performance as a commander, granted his first, but we're going to get a chance to see Terry truly show all of his talents because he led the league in contested catches last year, but that was because Heineke couldn't throw the damn ball. And the ball was short constantly. I think Terry is going to have a ton of nice catches and a ton of yak because Carson's going to get that ball, hit him on a slant, and he's going to bust it. And that kid's going to wish he was still playing in Georgia and not with the Jaguars against our commanders this week. That's my signature player this week. All right. Well, I like that. And and, and as uh, <laughs> the nutty professor, Hercules, Hercules. I like to hear that, bro. <laughs> Hercules. Yeah. Man, I, mean, I got to tell you, I, I, I got to tell you, man. So we played Jacksonville in 26 and 2018, right? And we squeaked out of Jacksonville with a win 16 to 13. I don't care if it's by one point. I want to beat Jacksonville, bro. Yeah. I, it doesn't matter to me unless that final score is with us one point against them. I don't care how you get there as long as we get that W. Now, down the road, if we're week five and week six in and we're struggling to get Ws, then that's a different story. But this is week one. Let's see what all this vanilla crap they haven't wanted to show us has been hiding. And I'm telling you, man, this music right now makes me want to run through a brick wall and just get out to FedEx Field on Sunday. My menu is ready for the tailgate. I know you got all your stuff ready. You got your chain good to go. I can't wait to be out there and we're going to start doing game recaps for those that know we've only done one show a week. We're going to start doing two next week and we can't wait to recap this Jags hopefully win for you guys next week. But thank you all for hanging out with Rowley and I. This is episode 15 of the Mess Hall. Thank you to Warbridge Collectibles for jumping on board with us this NFL season. And I cannot wait to have some more signature player moments that Rowley and I get to talk about during the year man i i can't wait as well and don't forget for everyone who's coming to detroit make sure you come to the unofficial official fan rally that we're having at union assembly in detroit it's gonna be five to seven they've got an area for us all that's missing is you guys and once again thanks with bridge collectible for giving us the Fred Smoot jersey because it's awesome and it's signed by him one of a kind be there for us and it wouldn't be me and it wouldn't be the mess hall if I didn't say rep it hard or don't rep it at all Delgate Ted rally captain and we're gonna be out <laughs>